podcast. So the first thing I wanted to talk about today is uh, oral steroid toxicity. So what, how do you know if you're toxic on oral steroids? Uh, well, there's a couple symptoms that are pretty telltale signs. The first one is going to be fatigue. So if you're feeling tired and it's like unexplainable and it's shortly after taking your tablets, uh, that's a major sign that you're toxic. For example, um, like when you take the steroids, the orals, they become, they stress your liver like pretty immediately when you take them. So if you're taking oral steroids like multiple times per day, after you take doses of them, you'll like feel fatigued after taking those doses if you're getting toxic on them. So for example, one that really, you know, Dianabol is pretty, pretty freaking toxic. It's one of the, the ones that are like more toxic than the other orals, but all orals can be toxic. And if you take, you know, Dianabol somewhere between like 10 to 30 milligrams, a lot of times within the next one hour, you can feel like maybe a little bit tired or a little bit dizzy or just a little bit like low energy. If you're super healthy and you haven't been taking any orals in a long time, you haven't been drinking any alcohol, you know, you might not feel that way at all. You might actually feel energized after taking it. Another like symptom of taking Dianabol that's like an acute symptom is you feel it in your face. So, uh, you know, you'll feel your face swelling when you take Dianabol. It's the same thing with testosterone suspension. You really feel that one in your face. And you might feel like kind of an itchy feeling or a, you know, really what usually happens though is the face, you feel it swelling up and it could feel hot. Like, a, like oh, my face is hot and my face is swelling up a bit. And this usually starts within like 30 to 45 minutes of taking Dianabol. Um, the higher the dosage, the more you'll feel this, but it can even be felt at only 10 milligrams, a 10 milligram dosage. It'll be felt a lot more at dosages like 50 to hundred milligrams. Um, but then, like I said, you know, you might feel a little bit dizzy and you might have like really low energy or fatigue, maybe some brain fog. Um, within like 45 minutes to one hour of taking the tablets. And that's a major symptom of feeling what liver toxicity feels like. So a lot of times, you know, if, if you're at the beginning stages of liver toxicity from oral steroids, um, that will only last for a couple hours. Like maybe that'll last for two or three hours where you have that feeling and then you'll be back to normal for the rest of the day. But uh, as you become like more toxic and the liver becomes like more bogged down over time, it can progress to a thing where you feel like that all the time. You always feel 
uh, bogged down like that or fatigued and like, man, I have no energy. Coffee has no effect. You know, it doesn't help me. Energy drinks don't help me. You know, whatever I do, I just don't, I don't feel like energy. I can, you know, I feel like uh, my limbs weigh a hundred pounds, <laughs> which, you know, when you feel like that, you know, you have to stop because those orals in that case, they're not benefiting you, you know, no matter how much you think, you know, like, oh, taking, you know, these powerful steroids is, you know, making me, making me have gains. If you're feeling like that, uh, fatigued, uh, and like, oh man, like I, I have no energy in the gym and stuff like that. They're not helping you. They're doing the opposite of helping you because uh, your liver is really involved with all your metabolic processes, like breaking down fats, breaking down proteins, um, and then making um, nutrients be in the, well, breaking down carbs too, and then making nutrients be in the kind of form that they can be used for your blood to be used like in your muscles, be used for the processes of your body. And so if your liver isn't functioning at like a really high capacity, your entire metabolic process for processing food is really handicapped. And um, yeah, it's, it's not benefiting you in that case. So it's not good to have liver toxicity. When, when you feel liver toxicity, it, you should, you know, drop the orals. And, you know, I think most people find out the longer they take steroids. It usually takes a long time to figure this out, though. Usually, I would say guys who have used steroids for less than five years really like orals and want to take a lot of orals because they have a lot of advantages to them. But it really only, after like five years of experience with them and experimenting with other stuff, I'd say on average, that's when you start to see guys, you know, they've been in the game <laughs> for longer, uh, not really liking orals so much, not wanting to do cycles that have orals in them. Because really what it comes down to is, is having your organs functioning at like top, top quality, um, you know, because the whole thing with steroids and bodybuilding and everything is processing food optimally. And the steroids help you process the food in a muscle building way. So if you have any kind of substance that's bogging down your system or you're taking dosages that are bogging down your system, making you not be able to process food at, at like 100% capacity, it, it's like fighting directly against your bodybuilding goals. So, you know, that's that's kind of how it is with, with orals. I, I mean, some of them can be really powerful too. You know, we're talking like Anadrol, Dianabol, Superdrol, where you can get like really powerful effects from these things. But once you get toxic on them, other than the cosmetic effect that they're delivering for you, they're really not doing much of anything um, as far as, as building muscle tissue, the kind that sticks, you know, after you stop taking them. So it's better to just, just cut it uh, once you feel that at all. And I really think that like abusing the oral dosages and going really high with them, 
I don't think that's the best way forward either um, because uh, of it bogging down um, the, the organ function and the processing food uh, function. So, you know, I talk about sometimes like which ones should you push up, you know, and, and a lot that's I'm kind of like known for saying, well, you should push the testosterone up. That's, you know, if you're going to choose one, that's the one that you should push up. And well, that one doesn't negatively affect your organ function. And and then there's a couple other ones that don't either. And, and that's equipoise, nandrolone and primobolin. So testosterone, nandrolone, equipoise, primobolin. You have four anabolics there that, you know, you can push the dosage up and it won't make your organs be bogged down and not functioning good. So you can still process food optimally. And, you know, if you do that and you don't take, you know, toxic stuff that that hurts your food processing, um, that's how you're going to have the best gains where it's like you're not plateauing where you're actually building tissue that sticks with you after the cycle is done. And it's not like a thing where like, oh, you get the cosmetic effect on the cycle, but then you go off the cycle and you're kind of still right where you were before. Um, you know, a, another, another effect with that you got to, like a sign that you're toxic on orals is if the whites of your eyes don't look right. So, a lot of people say like, oh, it's, it's, it's yellow, but, but that's only in extreme cases where it turns yellow. Uh, when the liver's under stress, what you'll see in your eyes is redness near the, the nose part of your eyes. So this like pink area that is uh, right next to your nose and it's right inside your eye, you'll notice that getting like kind of red and inflamed looking. And then you'll kind of see that redness spreading from that area towards the colored part of your of your eye. Um, and, and when you see that, that's definitely a sign of, of liver toxicity. And then when you combine that with feeling the fatigue, I mean, you know for sure that you're experiencing liver toxicity. So I know a lot of you guys want to make uh, progressive gains and you want to do it like in the most optimal way possible. And I know there's a lot of information on the internet and a lot of people saying like, don't take a lot of testosterone, etc. Well, if you want to look your best, that's true. You don't want to take a lot of testosterone because it causes water retention. So if you're like really lean and you're looking to be like really chiseled looking and everything when you're already lean, then, then yeah, you know, you don't want to be on a lot of testosterone, but if you're looking to like grow muscle tissue and you're looking to get bigger, well, you're going to have to make your choice because you can't be toxic. You have to have all your organs functioning a hundred percent. And, um, you, you know, you've got to take some like bigger dosages, some more realistic dosages, uh, if, if bodybuilding is what you want to do, because, you know, bodybuilding is, it's not a healthy thing to do. So you, you have to do things that um, is, you know, not, not so healthy, like taking big dosage, bigger dosages. Um, so like I said, like you're going to be uh, your options pretty much 
for making continued sustained gains in bodybuilding where you're, you're getting bigger and bigger. Um, and then, you, you know, it's not a cosmetic effect. It's something that sticks with you from cycle to cycle because it's not hurting your organs. So you have optimal food processing, uh, which steroids, what do they do? They, they're not magic. They don't just magically create muscle. They optimize the way you process food. So how do you do that? You've got to have healthy organs. So we're talking testosterone, we're talking equipoise, we're talking nandrolone, we're talking primobolin. And that's pretty much it, other than growth hormone and insulin. You know, those are things that are added on to help that process. But, you know, you're going to have to select one of those four anabolics, and you're going to have to figure out which ones you like, and then you're going to have to, you know, experiment with pushing up the dosages um, on on some of those, uh, as far as, like, pushing increased dose, uh, increased growth. And the one that is most accepted by the body and it's the most powerful and, you, you know, it just, it just works and, and it's not toxic, even at really high dosages, as in like toxic to your organs, it can have bad effects. But, you know, as far as like acute toxicity, not really, uh, is, is testosterone. So that, that's why I'm always saying that, you know, with testosterone is very powerful for, for building muscle. And so another way to do it, though, would be to, to take, you know, low, lower testosterone and then to take high equipoise or to take high primobolin or to take high nandrolone um, with, with lower testosterone. But, but you're pretty much limited to those four, like the experienced guys who are doing it the most optimal way possible. They're mainly using one of those four. They're not using a lot of orals. Um, they're, they're not using a lot of, uh, you know, it's not good to use a lot of trend either for growth. So they're using one of those four anabolics, not using orals. And then a lot of times they're using growth hormone. Often also they're using insulin. Uh, I don't think it's good to use insulin, but oftentimes they are. And then they're, they're using those consistently uh, over time, you know, and, and pushing up the dosages with those. It's kind of more of a beginner thing to be pushing up the dosages with all this other stuff. Uh, you know, the, the competitive bodybuilders, the professional bodybuilders, they're using this other stuff for their contest prep. They're not using it during their off-season mass gaining phase, okay? They're, they're using test and DECA. Prebolin, equipoise, growth hormone, a bit of insulin for their mass gaining off-season phase. They don't use, you know, the testosterone, the an they use anadrol and they use debol. Okay, but it's in it's in small controlled uh, dosages. It's they're not just blasting this stuff all the time in in high dosages. You know, so they do use it, but they use it for a specific purpose. They use it to bust through plateaus. Um, in their in their training like a strength and performance plateaus in their training uh, but they're, they're not they're not hanging out on that uh, and and you'll see that if you look at what what do guys say they used in their off season and you kind of like listen to the interviews like yeah a lot of times they won't be honest about their dosages but a lot of times they will be pretty honest about the compounds they're using a lot of times you'll hear test deca you'll hear primabolin you'll hear growth hormone um, and I, I mean, I mean, that's pretty much what you generally hear from pros when they talk about 
what what do you take or what did you take during the off season? And so so that's like the more professional way to do it. When you're talking about long-term muscle tissue, not cosmetic effect, but actually tissue that stays with you from cycle to cycle, those are the ones you're going to be using. Those are the ones that are most effective. Why? Because you got to have as you got to be as healthy as possible. You got to have your organs, your food processing units being functioning at 100% in order to build the most real muscle tissue. If you just blast these orals and stuff, you blast a bunch of trend and you're toxic, your kidneys, your liver, um, other organs that help with food processing aren't functioning at 100%, man, you might look good while you're using them, but you're not going to be making like more and more progress over time. A lot of guys are stuck. A lot of guys are stuck. And they're like, well, you know, I'm taking steroids, I'm taking cycles, but I'm not really getting bigger, like continuing to get bigger. I'm, I've kind of been where I'm at for the last year, or the last two years. Maybe I've made a little progress, but other than that, I'm pretty much where I'm at. And, you know, that this would be one of those reasons why uh, you're fooling around with orals too much. You shouldn't be using those. You're fooling around with uh, toxic injectables like Trend too much, thinking you need this really powerful stuff when really you just need the basics and, and those other things are actually hurting your progress. They make you look good while you're on them. But um, as far as your long-term progress and trajectory over time, getting bigger and bigger from cycle to cycle, those things like the relying a lot on the orals, relying a lot on the Trend, etc., that's hurting you as as crazy as that is that's that's making it so that you're not making as much progress as you could be so let's uh let's get on to some questions here from you guys i've seen a few questions coming up while i've been talking mm. okay so ej sirachman says hey dan what do you think about this cycle, 600 testinanthate, 20 milligrams anivar, 500 equipoise. So that kind of goes with what I was just talking about. And I do think that that's good because on 20 milligrams of anivar per day, you're not ever going to bog down your system. So that's not going to really disrupt your organ function. And then you're going to be, you're using, you know, over a thousand milligrams of injectable anabolics that don't really have acute health effects either. You know, they can have health effects over time, but as far as like when you're using them, um, you, you know, it, it, if you looked at your blood work, for example, it's not going to be bad using testosterone and equipoise around a gram. So I, I do think that that's a good cycle. Uh, I, I think that that's more of the type of cycle where you're going to have good results and it's more focused on building from cycle to cycle instead of just looking good now or looking the best you can right now. So look at a look at another okay Robbie McGuire says, I CrossFit, not a bodybuilder. You use trend and test. How much should you use? Not much. You, you know, you know, athletes, they, they, they don't do good on, on using uh, big dosages of, um, 
of steroids. So when, when you're an athlete, if you use uh, big dosages, it makes you get pumps in your muscles, which if you're getting pumped easily, that's not going to work for, um, for athletic stuff, playing sports, um, needing to move a lot really fast. Um, you know, having a muscle pump is great for being in the gym for, for bodybuilding, but for an athlete who's moving around a lot, that's totally debilitating. Um, so you can't be on high dosages, especially of stuff like Tren, that, that gives, you know, extreme muscle pumps. Um, because, for example, like if you take 700 milligrams of Tren and it's potent Tren, for example, man, if you've been eating carbohydrates and you go to the gym, like if you do like three sets of squats, you basically have to just like lay on the floor because you're paralyzed because of how much um, blood is trapped inside your lower back. And it makes it so that like you're in so much pain and it's like a sharp pain that you you just can't stand it you have to basically lay down so uh as far as as crossfit it, it's it's low dosages and also with any other sports that you're thinking about um you, you know i i would actually go with 100 milligrams of test and and 100 milligrams of tren enanthate per per week both enanthate 100 milligrams of each per week like I mean, that's that's what I think works best for stuff like that. Uh, as other other cycles that work too for these guys who are doing CrossFit, doing sports, is like HCG, 500 IUs every other day with D-ball 10 to 20 milligrams per day or with Winstrol 20 to 30 milligrams per day. Anavar, same thing, with like two to three IUs of growth hormone per day. Um, or instead of HCG, taking anywhere from 100 milligrams to 400 milligrams of testosterone per week. Um, other stuff that works is taking, you know, like a, a non-oral way to do it would be taking 150 or 200 milligrams of testosterone per week with 100 to 200 milligrams of DECA per week. When we're talking about optimizing sports, we're talking about very low dosages. It's totally different than bodybuilding. We're talking about optimizing the person's um, performance at their sport. We're not talking about uh, creating some kind of science lab experiment, which is more of what bodybuilding, powerlifting is, going beyond... Um, taking the body to some, you know, level where it's, it's not supposed to look like that. It's not supposed to be like that. With sports, we're just taking this little bit of performance enhancing drug, very tiny dosages and, and adding that to the body, um, to, to help it be able to perform better. So yeah, uh, you, you might think that sounds weird because, other times with bodybuilding and powerlifting, I'm, I'm talking about much bigger dosages that are used. And then we're talking about sports and, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm talking about these tiny dosages, but that's the way it is. Um, 
if you take big dosages at all in sports, it will directly kill your performance. It, it'll also make it so that you have no wind and, and you can't breathe well. Because if you're getting pumps, well, that's blood going to your muscles and staying in the muscles, pooling in the muscles. So it's not getting to your heart. Um, you, you, you know, so the, the heart and lungs are trying to oxygenate blood and they need to be the, the parts, the body needs to not be pooling blood in other areas if you want optimal um, oxygen capacity. So, I, I mean, that, that's just another reason. You, you can't be taking dosages of uh, PEDs that is causing you to get pumps. So that's, that's that. Look for another question. Um, okay, this is another good question from the same guy, Sirachman. Do you believe only 40 to 50 grams protein max capacity for human body and how many hours needed for each meal? No, I don't believe that. Because, because everyone knows that you can overeat and you can gain fat, okay? So you can eat like, you know, a cake. And maybe that cake was like 2,000 calories, right? And then you're going to process the nutrients from that cake. Okay, so it, it's like, okay, so did you absorb them or what happened to them? Like, what do you think happens with the food? Um, you, you know, if you eat enormous quantities, then yeah, some of it might not be absorbed, but a lot of it is getting absorbed. And so to say that like with protein that didn't happen, okay, well, well where did it go? <laughs> I mean, I know I, I, anybody can do these kind of experiments. It's like if you eat more, you gain more weight um, and it, it doesn't really matter so much how much you space it out, it's more of just, did you get it in within those 24 hours or not? Um, so I think that's pretty ridiculous. You know, people come up with some kind of scientific studies funded by who knows who for who knows what purpose. And, you know, the, the powers that be don't want us eating meat anyways. They don't want us eating protein. They want us eating carbohydrates because that's in all their boxed and packaged food. Uh, it's, it's, it's all carbohydrate based or vegetable oil based. And those are the cheapest ingredients for them to produce. And so, uh, and, and have the, the most preservatives in them so they can keep and not go stale. So they want us eating little bits of, of protein and they want us eating lots of vegetable oils and carbohydrates because it's profitable for them. So they come out with these studies that, you know, have have uh say bad things about protein say bad things about animal fat etc and uh i don't believe that shit you, you know you, you guys you gotta be like uh just because there's some kind of thing about science you know like it's like a religion to people or they see something that says abstract study science and, and they're like oh well this can't be disputed like it, it's a uh, it's very religious, um, 
the way the way that people respond to to scientific studies and it doesn't mean a damn thing uh yeah it doesn't mean a damn thing <laughs> to to have some kind of scientific study showing something uh it's it's just a piece of evidence that might suggest um you know, it's, it's something to, to say, okay, well, here's some evidence to support this argument. It doesn't end the argument. It doesn't end the argument at all. Um, it's just a piece of evidence that supports a certain position. If you see a scientific study that says something, you know, most, most scientific theories get, they evolve or they, they get refuted by new scientific evidence over time. Science is not just like truth. It's theories. <laughs> All right. So, so if you see this kind of stuff with protein, well, okay. So that's interesting information when they say some kind of study about, okay, here's how much protein you can assimilate or something from a meal, but then compare that with your personal experience. And I would say for basically a hundred percent of you guys, you know that that doesn't match up with your personal experience. When you eat more than 50 grams of protein or 40 grams of protein per meal, your body seems to absorb that protein. I mean, pretty much every fucking person in the world knows that. And what about when they eat, you know, more than 100 grams of fat or when they eat more than 200 grams of carbohydrates in a sitting? Do their bodies absorb that? Yeah. Why do people get fat? Uh, so if your your uh, personal experience and the experience of those around you are completely flying in the face of what these scientific studies are saying, uh, sci you know, scientific, oh, somebody who's wearing a lab coat and is being paid by a big company uh, and, and they have a lab coat on. They're, they're scientist priests. That doesn't mean a damn thing. It's just a piece of evidence supporting a certain position. Um, yeah, you, you know, you, you... I remember, too, there was one time where some guy was telling me that, you know, eczemestane, it works the most after 48 hours. You can't even know the effects of it until 48 hours have passed. Well, everybody who's used eczemestane knows that you can feel the effects within 60 minutes. So just because some kind of fucking paper says something about, oh, well, you need to wait 48 hours for the effects to really be felt. No, I don't. I know from personal experience that that is not the case. And within 60 minutes, I can feel most of the effects. Within three hours, absolutely, definitely. So just because, and, and he, was, he was saying like, I can't take more even though I'm getting gyno because I don't know what the effects are going to be until 48 hours. And, and, and it's, it's like, okay, well, so you saw some paper that said something, but your body right now at this moment is telling you something completely different. And, you know, you, you're like outsmarting yourself by, uh, you know, believing some kind of piece of paper 
instead of listening to your body and doing what is very obvious, you know, it's obvious that this paper isn't some kind of God. And, uh, you know, what's happening in the real world and what you can feel, what you know is, is happening, you need to listen to that. You don't need to be listening to uh, these pieces of papers, these lab coat religions. <laughs> so, so eat a lot of protein, you know. With, with uh, what I notice across the board, and I've done a lot of research with, with bodybuilding um, from back in like the 50s until now. And I mean, things changed in the 90s when people started taking insulin because that completely changes how the whole body works um, and, and also how the, the body looks. You know, the bodybuilders, they look a lot different after taking insulin. But um, with, so I want to talk about, when I say this, I'm mostly talking about current classic physique competitors and I'm talking about um, pre-90s bodybuilders and um, there's really not even like a single one of them who was eating less than 400 grams of protein per day and um, and the guys that I work with now who do classic physique I don't meet and they're successful I don't meet any of them that use less than 400 grams of protein per day that that it just I don't ever come across them and so when I start talking to them and they, they are telling me what they do, they always say whatever their, their protein intake is and, you know, how much they're using. It's always more than 400 grams of protein per day. And I know that most of you guys out there who are, you know, gym rats, taking roids and, and probably not as successful as them, you don't eat 400 grams or more of protein per day. And you wonder, like, you know, should I take more trend? Should I take more growth hormone? Should I take Winstrol? Should I take more test, Anavar? What is the secret? What is the secret ingredient that I need? What is the new drug that I need to add to my, my stack? And you're, like, completely unwilling to eat 400 grams of protein per day. Why? I don't, I don't know. Uh, it seems like a lot of you guys, you just want to take drugs. You don't want to, you don't want to work. Um, you don't want to do the basics. You want to take some kind of drug that's going to, that I encounter a lot of that. It's, 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 it's like, I'll be, you know, none of this stuff works without the diet and the training that these, these drugs do not work without the diet and the training. And, um, I encounter a lot of guys who are, who are asking, for, for help. Um, and, and, you know, I'll be saying, well, you got to do this like with your diet, um, in order to get it to work. And they don't like that. And they don't really want to hear that. And they'll kind of just keep on asking more questions instead. They'll kind of like not listen to that or kind of be silent about that and instead be, doing more questions about like, okay, well, what about this drug? What about that drug? What if I added in this drug? Maybe I should swap out this drug for that drug. And it's like, bro, that's not going to do, that's not going to do a damn thing. That's not going to do a damn thing until your, your diet gets fixed. 
the, these drugs are pointless, man. <laughs> uh, so, so, so yeah, uh, that's what I want to say to you guys too, is, is if like, you're really like ramping up the dosages and everything and, and, and you're eating less than let's say a minimum 300 grams of protein per day. But the guys you want to look like, the guys who are who are competitive, the guys who are a lot more advanced than you, having a lot more success than you, I talk to them, and they're eating four hundred plus. You're probably not even eating three hundred plus. Okay, so so you're not doing the fundamentals, and and you know the best and the fastest way to get good at something is to be around people who are already good at it and to like copy what they're doing. So um, the thing about like low protein and everything, that's a no, that's, that's not how the guys who are really successful are doing it. I don't care what the lab coat religion people are saying, you know, that the results are in the real world and you either know or you don't, and you can't deny what the people who are successful are doing. That's, what the people who are successful, they're all eating 400 plus grams of protein. You, you don't, you don't like to, you don't like to eat meat. You don't like to drink egg whites. You don't like to drink whey protein. You, you want to take a bunch of injections. Well, you're not, you're not ever going to succeed until you change. All right, let's look for another question here. Um, okay. Do I have any experience taking modafinil? Um, yeah, I do. And I don't like it. Um, it's definitely like a good study or work, uh, medicine. It keeps you awake and it doesn't make you feel high. And, and it, it definitely has like a tunnel vision or a focus quality to it. But again, it doesn't make you feel high or euphoric. And uh, so, so that's why it's, why it is, it's good uh, for, for work or whatever. Is because some of these other chemicals that people use for studying or work can get you high and um, that's, that's no good. Uh, that, that's distracting. <laughs> but um, modafinil causes some agitation though. So a lot of times people at some point during the modafinil use will feel agitated, um, feel fidgety and uh, I don't, I don't like it, to be honest. What, if I use a stimulant or some kind of like something to enhance like busy work or, or computer work or something like that, what really works good is caffeine without a tolerance. Um, if you can take four or five days uh, off of caffeine... Um, and then drink a strong black coffee with like 
uh, three shots of espresso in it. That'll shoot you to the moon, man. That'll shoot you to the moon, and it'll give you even crazy euphoria and stuff, too. <laughs> People are really desensitized to caffeine, but it's a super strong drug. Um, if you take a long time off caffeine, too, and then you take it, like if you take two weeks with zero caffeine and then go back to it, that stuff, is it's out of control. How much euphoria you'll feel, how much energy you'll feel, like invincibility. It's the only reason why people don't feel those effects with, with caffeine is because is everybody uses it so much. And you have to get like total abstinence from it. You can't use like low dosage to try and like uh, make your tolerance go down. You have to go total abstinence from it for like four days, three days, five days. And then when you come back to it, it's like very super, super powerful drug, super euphoric. Um, downsides of tetracycline. Um, well, so tetracycline, people use that. Um, oh, Baltic Blades says, what's up? How's Riga? Because I'm in Riga, Latvia right now. And it's good. I'm enjoying being in Latvia a lot. I've had a really good time here. Um, but yeah, tetracycline, it's used for acne. So antibiotics work really good for acne. And doctors prescribe them really liberally. So it's really easy. If you have like a general practitioner, normally you can just give them an email or a phone call. You don't even have to make an office visit. And that'll be enough to get prescribed antibiotics for acne. So you can just say something like, um, hey, I, I, have, I have acne and I wanted to do a cycle of antibiotics. And they'll, they'll just send it over to the pharmacy and you can, you can pick it up. So tetracycline is one of the antibiotics that works really good for acne. 250 to 500 milligrams per day. And, you know, normally you've got staph bacteria. It's as normal. Everybody has it living all over their body. It, it covers your skin, the staph bacteria. And, um, you know, when it gets inside the pore, it causes a little infection in there. So then it gets red and infected and it creates pus and then you expel the infection when the, the zit pops and then the pus goes shooting out. Uh, <laughs> um, so antibiotics, why they work for acne is because they make your, your body, your skin, an inhospitable place for that staph bacteria. So now when the staph bacteria gets inside your body, it just dies. When it gets inside your skin, it just dies instead of being able to create an infection in there. So then you stop getting acne. So antibiotics are a way less extreme way to deal with acne and get really powerful results. Um, much and, and it's less, much less harmful for you or toxic 
than doing something like taking Accutane would be, for example. Um, so if, if you can use antibiotics instead to control your acne, that's a good idea. Um, the, the downside to it is that they can have, some of them can have some slight negative effects on protein synthesis. Not real bad, just very slight. Um, it's not even really anything to worry about. Um, and then the other thing is that like with tetracycline and minocycline, which are two really common ones for acne, um, they cause skin photosensitivity. So you'll get, your skin will be sensitive to the sun. You'll get sunburned more easily. And also if you're in the sun, you can get like a rash after like 10 or 15 minutes and it will become itchy. So those, that, those, those are the side effects of using tetracycline and, and minocycline specifically. Look for another question here. Um, what do I think about taking orals and grapefruit? Is it better for the liver or worse? I don't think the grapefruit affects the the liver. Um, but grapefruit normally increases the bioavailability of almost any substance you take. Um, it inhibits enzymes, liver enzymes, that break down medications and chemicals. So it increases the life of basically any chemical you take because the liver isn't able to process it and get rid of it as quickly. So yeah, yeah, I do think that uh, taking grapefruit is effective in making oral steroids more powerful and also basically any other chemical. Almost, almost any medicine you take will be um, potentiated as long as it, yeah, from, from eating grapefruit. And, and I've noticed those effects in myself. I've experimented with eating grapefruit and taking things and eating grapefruit makes them makes things more potent. Let's look at another question. Test HGH and metformin is it good for a recon? Yeah, absolutely. So HGH is really powerful fat burner. Um really powerful fat burner and what's good is it isn't a stimulant either. Um, these stimulant fat burners are pretty nasty. Um, stuff like clenbuterol, even ephedrine, um, of course, DNP, these things that increase, um, speed things up. T3 also, thyroid hormone, um, all that kind of stuff. It's pretty nasty stuff. Um, not good for your heart, not good for your brain, you know, makes you feel like shit, gives you anxiety. 
um, can give like heart arrhythmias and stuff like clenbuterol. You can get out of rhythm or, or get pre-beats on your heart where it kind of like skips a little bit or jumps and you, you feel like, like, and then it like kicks back in again really hard. Or another thing with clenbuterol is, you know, laying in your bed trying to sleep at night and hearing your heart pounding at like 100 beats per minute sounding like you're doing cardio. It's not even just beating fast at 100 beats per minute. But it's actually like beating hard because the, the beta adrenergic stimulation increases the, uh, the, the forcefulness of the heart uh, chamber slamming. And so you're laying in bed and you're like trying to sleep, right? But you can hear your heart. Like, especially if you sleep on your side or you turn your head to the side so that the pillow is kind of like reflecting the sound uh, into your ear. Uh, and you're, you're like, what the fuck, man? I'm trying to sleep. And I got this. I can hear my heart pounding like I'm in the middle of a cardio session, which is freaky for one thing. It freaks you out. Um it's very disturbing to hear your heart doing that. And, and then for another thing, just practically, the practical practicality of it, hearing something beating fast and slamming and it's all silent in the room, but you're aware and can hear this fucking noise, your heart. That's what taking clenbuterol is like. <laughs> Not to mention clenbuterol produces just like a lot of anxiety in general and also like a lot of the pleasurable feelings about life. You just can't really feel them on clen. So it's really nasty stuff, man. I hate that shit. It, it's probably if I had to think of like one PED that makes me feel like shit and that it's just like, damn, that stuff is nasty. I mean, Clen is number one for me personally. I don't like that stuff. I've had bad experiences with it too, where, because I've experimented with dosages from like 20 micrograms per day all the way up to like 280 micrograms per day. And, you know, you can be afraid you're going to die sometimes when you're taking that stuff. You, you can, you can, because things will be like going on with your heartbeat and stuff and, and you'll be like and you'll have a lot of anxiety and then you're more sensitive to the physical effects of anxiety um when when you're taking clenbuterol so like if you get anxious it'll speed your heart up a lot more than if you got anxious not on clenbuterol and then clenbuterol makes you anxious so you can get like into these mental states where, where you're like really not feeling good, man. And there's definitely been times when, when I've taken clenbuterol where, you know, I've feared for my life. <laughs> really, really. Another thing, uh, a lot of times clenbuterol, you know when somebody, um, when somebody's on it, you can hear it in their voice. You can hear their, their voice 
kind of shaking or tremoring while they're speaking. And, and once you know what to look for, it's actually pretty funny because you can always hear when someone's using clenbuterol because everyone who gets it, you hear it in their voice. Uh, and and um, so, so it's, it's not something that someone can hide. I mean, if they're a fitness person, you know instantaneously when they open their mouth whether or not they're using clenbuterol. Um, but anyway, so, so growth hormone is, is a great fat burner. What, what growth hormone does is it liberates the fat. Every time you take a shot, it liberates the fat from the, um, from, from the fat cell and makes the uh, triglycerides, the fatty acids, be in the bloodstream. So every time that happens, you have an opportunity to burn that. Um, otherwise, it will be reincorporated into the fat cell. But you know how a lot of times people talk about taking a fasted shot of growth hormone and then doing fasted cardio. Well, that's because when you take the shot of growth hormone, immediately the fat cells release some of their energy contents and it's floating around in the bloodstream and you don't want it to get reincorporated. You want in, into the fat cell again. You want to then burn it up. So you want to be fasted and then you want to go do cardio so that you can get rid of it and it won't be reincorporated into the fat cell. And that's also the reason why taking multiple shots of growth hormone per day is the most powerful way to take it for fat burning. Um, taking for muscle building, more like one big shot per day or two shots per day is optimal for muscle building, um, you know, right around your training. But for fat loss, basically taking as many shots as possible at like two hour intervals even um, is the, if you're talking about optimal or the most effective way, uh, because then you're getting the fat cells pushing fat out into the blood all the time. Um, and if, if you're doing progressive overload in your training and, um, uh, you know, you have muscle growth stimulus from taking steroids, then your body, you know, you might not even need to do cardio, you know, and it can help you to have a recomp effect because you're getting fatty acids into the bloodstream from taking the growth hormone um, and your body can use that for energy and then you know you can use carbohydrates and protein for building up fuel storage and building muscle um, simultaneously and it kind of frees up extra energy to make that process happen so growth hormones a major recomposition agent um, yeah, major recomposition agent. Right, let's get another question. What's a good equipoise dosage? Um, well, equipoise, it, it works good around like 600 to 1,000 milligrams per week. You know, all those anabolics, equipoise, primabolin, nandrolone, 
600 to 1,000 milligrams per week. When we're talking bodybuilding, that's the good dosages, really. The most effective dosages for those compounds. They're all kind of the same. And their effects at those dosages are all pretty similar. Equipoise, primobolin, nandrolin. 600 to 1,000 milligrams per week. They're all a little different. They all have a little bit different effects, but they're all about the same powerfulness, milligram per milligram. And they all work good at those mentioned dosages. Um, DECA and Equipoise take a little longer to kick in. Three to five weeks, usually, to for someone to notice them. But Primobolin and Anthate kicks in really fast. So it only takes seven days before somebody can see and feel the effects of primobolin and anthate. And if you're really used to primobolin and you're you're like very familiar with it, I mean it, it can you can almost feel it like overnight if if you're not using other powerful agents. Um yeah, you can probably feel it within like 24 to 48 hours if if you're like on TRT and then you took, for example, 1,000 milligrams of primobolin, um, you, you, you'd feel that within the next 24 to 48 hours. Um, let's look at another dosage. No, not another dosage, let's look at another question. Okay, Alan Christensen says, opinion on 250 test, 250 deca cruise. So, that's pretty good. There's there's not really a, a big problem with that, and, and it's acceptable. Cruising is like everybody's individual thing, you know? But really, what I don't think it's necessary to cruise on more than... 300-ish milligrams of test per week. The whole reason for the cruise, the reason to do it, is to take stress off the body. And if you're taking super physiological dosages of stuff, it's putting stress on the body. Um, testosterone itself, and, and also nandrolone, you know, not a lot of stress. Not a lot of stress. But if you're just thinking... The basic point of why am I cruising? The reason I am cruising is to take stress off my body and to let my body rest. And while I do that, I want to prevent my body from breaking down its tissue. You shouldn't really be too worried during the cruise about cosmetic effects or if you're not full, if your strength temporarily goes down. It's really not very significant. Uh, as soon as you get on cycle, that's going to come back. And the point of the cruise is to take away the stress from the body. So adding a lot of stuff for the cruise, that's not my method. That's not how I do it. I think that 200 to 300 milligrams per week of testosterone for the cruise is the optimal dosage. Even if you're pretty damn big, that will be enough 
to prevent you from losing muscle tissue for about three months. Um, you, you know, it can be even longer. Um, as far as the catabolic, anti-catabolic effects of gear, they're a lot stronger than the anabolic effects. So the, the effects at preventing breakdown of muscle is a lot more powerful than the effects of building up muscle when we're talking about steroids, performance-enhancing drugs. So the even low dosages for a big guy, like two to 300 milligrams of testosterone per week, he's going to notice a lack, a, a drop in fullness, a drop, drop in looking like he's on drugs during his cruise. Um, but he's not going to be dropping muscle tissue at 200 to 300 milligrams per week in three months or less. Um, so what that means is that as soon as he does go back on cycle, it's going to be like he blows back up to the way he looked before he went on cruise within a week. He just reintroduced the drugs. So now he looks like he's on drugs again. He didn't lose muscle. He just stopped looking like he was on drugs. So I'm really a proponent with the cruise phase of being really simple and not adding other stuff to it. Just taking stress off the body, sticking to the, the purpose, sticking to the, the base reason. Why am I cruising? To take stress off my body. All right, well, that's what I'm going to do. So I'm just going to go on testosterone. I'm just going to go on the minimum amount. I'm going to not be training quite so insane. And I'm, I'm going to let my body normalize. I'm going to take stress off my body. I'm going to take this time to do that. And then when I go back on cycle, I'm going to hit it. And then I'm going to be putting a lot of stress on my body again. That, that's my philosophy with cruising. All right, so... That's going to be the end of the podcast today. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Enjoyed hanging out with you. Enjoyed talking with you. Um, head over to bodybuilderinthailand.com and pick up your copy of Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate agenda, no obligation to please anyone, not walk on eggshells to not offend, ultimate guide to roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you know what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Yeah, so go ahead and uh, go over to bodybuilderinthailand.com. It's the first article on the homepage, um, you can click on that. You can read like 15 pages of really awesome information about growth hormone. Really, really like hard to find information about growth hormone there on bodybuilderinthailand.com. Ultimate Guide to Roids is the first article on the homepage. Check that out. Uh, it's worth it. It's worth it. All right. So I'll talk to you guys next time.